A listener note, this podcast deals with adult topics and is not suitable for young listeners. Family annihilators is a term used to describe men, mostly white males in their 30s, who murder their entire families. Roughly one-third of men who kill their families involve the more repressed, depressed offenders, where we don't have any known history of domestic violence. Family annihilation cases are not common, with 10 to 20 cases per year, compared to around 1,500 cases of intimate partner homicide each year. In today's episode, I'm sharing the horrific story of Shanann Watts, the Colorado mother of two who returned home safely after a business trip and then went missing. I'm Brooke Wilkerson. This is The Murder Podcast. And this is her story. Shanann Watts was a typical 34-year-old mother of two living in Frederick, Colorado with her husband, Chris Watts. Both Shanann and Chris were natives of North Carolina where they met in 2010. Two years later in November of 2012, they got married and quickly started growing their family. In 2013, they welcomed a baby girl named Bella after relocating to Colorado, and just two years later, another baby girl named Celeste who they nicknamed Cece. But the couple was apparently having financial problems because the same year that Cece was born, they had filed for bankruptcy. Chris worked for a petroleum company called Anadarko, and Shanann was a stay-at-home mom who also worked for a direct sales company. Shortly before her disappearance, Shanann revealed to Chris that she was pregnant again. She actually posted a video of her telling him to her Facebook page where she was wearing a shirt that said, Whoops, we did it again. Shanann was clearly excited about the pregnancy. In the video, you see Shanann set up her phone and wait for Chris to walk into the door. When he comes into the shot, he freezes for a second, seemingly reading her shirt, and then starts laughing as he walks up to Shanann, gives her a hug, and says, I like that shirt. He asks her, really? And she says, really? That's awesome, he says. He then picks up the pregnancy test, tells her that it's awesome again, and gives her a kiss. He picks up the pregnancy test again and says slowly, Wow. But even though he was saying all of the right things, his body language was completely off. Instead of it being an exciting video to watch, there was something uncomfortable about it. It was almost like he was freaking out inside and nervously smiling. Now, I'm not sure if it was because of his reaction or what, but Shanann actually doesn't say much or sound very excited either. It could be because when he picked up the pregnancy test, he said pink means as if the pregnancy test could reveal the gender. She tells him that's just the test. It was super awkward, and a lot of people speculate that it was this moment that Chris decided to kill his wife. It was at his job that Chris met a woman named Nicole Kaysinger who was a geologist at the company. Chris introduced himself to her, 
And Nicole said that when he spoke to me, he was very soft-spoken. He appeared to be a good listener. The two began an affair in June of 2018. Chris told her that he had filed for divorce in July of 2018. And Nicole stated that when she met him, he wasn't wearing a wedding band, so she had no reason to suspect anything different. Chris had apparently told her about his two daughters, but failed to mention that Shanann was also pregnant at the time. Chris and Shanann had recently learned that the baby was a boy and named the baby Nico. Chris had told Nicole that his divorce was nearly over and that he and Shanann were planning on selling their house. In letters written by Chris, he talks about his affair with Nicole extensively, saying that he was mesmerized by her and that she showed him respect that he didn't feel like he'd ever been shown before. He revealed in those letters that he had been so taken by Nicole that he even tried to give Shanann oxycodone at one point to try to terminate her pregnancy. Apparently, he wanted his mistress to give him his first son. On July 14th, Chris and Nicole were on their way home from a museum when they decided to stop at Chris's house before getting something to eat. Apparently, while inside, Nicole browsed around, seeing all of the family pictures, and it was then that she realized that this was not the home of a man getting a divorce. Chris said that she came down the stairs with the most frozen, dazed, confused look on her face. He said that he tried to console Nicole on the couch, but she said to him, you have all of this more than most people. And we are doing this. Why are we doing this? Are you willing to give all this up? Is your relationship with your wife that bad? Chris told Nicole that he and Shanann had drifted apart and barely talked but that right before he started seeing Nicole, they had decided to have another baby. Apparently, at that comment, Nicole lost it and left the house. Later on, they patched things up and Chris confessed to her that he didn't actually want another baby with Shanann, but didn't tell her that Shanann was already pregnant. At the end of July, Shanann and the girls went to visit family in North Carolina, and Chris called Nicole to tell her that his divorce was final now, and he wanted her to help him find an apartment that would be good for him and his daughters. Nicole said, He made me believe that he was doing all of the things that a rational man and a good father would do. So part of Shanann's job with this direct sales company required some travel, and on August 13, 2018, Shanann was dropped off at her home and seen on security footage at 1.48 a.m. going inside with her luggage in tow after getting back from a business trip to Arizona. Her friend Nicole had dropped her off and waited to make sure that she got inside before she pulled away. In hindsight, how tragic is it to think that her friend was waiting, ensuring her safety, only to find out that it was as soon as she walked into her home that her life was in danger. While Shanann had been on this trip, Chris was caring for the kids. But later on that day, Shanann's friend Nicole started to worry when she couldn't get a hold of her. The two had planned to go to Shanann's OB appointment that day, and Shanann was a no-show. Not only that, but she wasn't answering her phone or responding to Nicole's texts, which was not like her. Then, Shanann also missed one of her business meetings, and Nicole knew then that something was wrong. She drove to Shanann's house a little afternoon, but no one answered the door. So Nicole calls Chris, who says that he hasn't seen her since that morning when he left for work. So she then called police. A little after 1.30, a police officer arrived at the Watts home to do a welfare check. Chris showed up shortly after and talked to the officer about ways to locate 
not just Shanann, but also their two girls who were also missing. He gave the officer permission to search the home, but nothing was found. Police were concerned, though, when they found Shanann's purse along with her phone, keys, and wedding rings. Not only that, but her car and the car seats were still parked in the garage. It was as if they had simply walked away. Later that morning, before Shanann's friend Nicole had contacted the police, Chris had sent his mistress Nicole a text apologizing and saying that he had been busy that morning. Then, around 3.45 p.m., he sent her a message and said that his family was gone. He told Nicole that Shanann had taken the girls to a play date and didn't come back. She said that he seemed calm about it, though, and she didn't think much of it. But on the news that night, Nicole learned the full story and also learned that Shanann was 15 weeks pregnant. She immediately started texting Chris with questions like, were there signs of a break-in? Were the car seats still there? And said that he was very calm, didn't show much emotion, and actually tried to change the subject. The next day, both the FBI and the Colorado Bureau of Investigation joined the investigation and Chris started giving interviews to the local news stations. And again, he was saying the right things, but his body language was so off. In his interview with Denver 7, he seemed very indifferent for a man whose wife and young daughters were missing. Honestly, his body language was more of a kid who got caught with their hand in the cookie jar and everyone immediately noticed that. The entire time he's standing there with his arms crossed tightly. He tells the reporter that Shanann came home early that morning and that when he left for work around 5.15 a.m., she was still at home. He says that he had called and texted her a few times that morning, but she hadn't responded. He talks about how much he misses his daughters and how awful the night before was without them home. When the reporter asked some more questions about what happened when Shanann got home that morning, Chris says that they didn't have a fight, but that they did have an emotional conversation and says he'll leave it at that. He then just starts talking about how he just wants them back. Another noticeable thing in this interview is a small red mark on his neck. He did another interview with Nine News, and again, his behavior is the same. Something that many people pointed out was his overuse of the word like. It was honestly like an interview with a teenager and not a grown man and father of two. In this interview, he also says Bella was going to start school next Monday, talking about it in past tense, and he also refers to his kids as those kids, and several times he even laughs and smirks. And again, he stands with his arms crossed almost the entire time, only using one for hand gestures while the other stayed tightly tucked in. That same day, Nicole was texting Chris trying to find out what he knew about their disappearance, but Chris said that he would never hurt his family. Nicole said, It got to a point that he was telling me so many lies that I eventually told him that I did not want to speak to him again until his family was found. Fortunately for the police, there was video camera footage from next door that showed that Shanann and the girls never left the house. It also showed Chris backing his truck into the garage before leaving for work, something that neighbors said was unusual. He told police that he was loading in tools for his work that day, and because of how the camera was angled, there wasn't a shot of what was happening inside the garage. Nonetheless, 
it seemed evident that the only way that Shanann and the girls left the house that day was in the back of Chris's truck. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to hear more full-length episodes, mini-episodes, and more, then check out the Murder Podcast Patreon fan club. Not only will you be getting bonus content, but a portion of the proceeds will be donated to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Check it out at patreon.com slash themurderpodcast, and I'll also link it in the show notes. On August 15th, just two days after Shanann, Cece, and Bella went missing, Chris Watts was arrested after failing a polygraph test. The detectives had confronted Chris with the results of his polygraph, where he adamantly denied that he had lied. He confessed to the detectives that he had been cheating on Shanann, and that was what he was holding back. He tells them that Shanann had accused him of it, but that he denied it, and he felt horrible about it. He breaks down crying, revealing that he and Shanann had an argument over the affair and had talked about separating because of it. During that interview, Chris asks to speak with his dad, and the detectives allow him to do so while he's still in the interrogation room with the video and audio rolling. It was there, with just his dad in the room, that Chris started confessing, sort of. He says that during his argument, Shanann had made a comment, something to the effect of he wasn't going to see the kids again. He tells his dad that after his argument with Shanann, that he found her smothering one of the girls. He's whispering as he confesses to his dad that Shanann had killed the girls while he was getting ready for work after their argument about separating, and that in turn, he strangled Shanann. Chris's dad is nearly speechless, and you can tell from his body language that he is overwhelmed. He's putting his face in his hands, and he reaches out to hold Chris's hand. He repeatedly rubs his forehead, clearly exasperated. His dad then holds his hand while Chris confesses to the detectives, giving that same story and stating that he transported their bodies to an oil storage site where he worked. He was subsequently arrested. The next day, police discover the bodies on the property that Chris disclosed, with the girls' bodies being found in two large oil tanks and Shanann's body being found in a shallow grave nearby. On August 21st, Chris was charged with five counts of first-degree murder, unlawful termination of a pregnancy, and three counts of tampering with a deceased human body. Chris later confessed to killing Shanann and the girls. In an interview with Dr. Phil, Chris's lawyer said that during that argument with Shanann, he went to his daughter's rooms and used a pillow to smother them. He then strangled Shanann, and to his surprise, their older daughter Bella walked in the room. He had been unsuccessful in killing the girls, and they were both still conscious. He said that he told Bella that her mom was sick. Chris then backed his truck up into his garage out of view and loaded Shanann's body, wrapped up in a sheet, into the bed of his truck. At this point, the girls are still alive, and he puts both of them in the backseat of the truck without car seats. He later smothered them both with a blanket before disposing of their bodies. Now, there were a lot more gruesome details that have been revealed about what Chris did, but I won't disclose them here. It's honestly just too disturbing but Chris later confessed that it was a planned murder. 
saying that the night before, as he was tucking in the girls, he thought about how that would be the last time that he would be tucking them in. On November 6th, Chris pled guilty to all charges. At the request of Shanann's family, he was spared the death penalty, as they did not want to deal with any more deaths. Chris was sentenced to five life sentences without the possibility of parole. He also received another 48 years for the unlawful termination of Shanann's pregnancy and another 36 years for those three charges of tampering with deceased bodies. As of the date of this podcast, Chris is serving his sentence out in Wappen, Wisconsin. Now, after seeing the news of Shanann's disappearance on TV, Chris's mistress, Nicole, reached out to police to tell them about their affair, saying that she wanted to help, but she had already deleted everything in her phone related to Chris. In her statement to police, Nicole denied having any involvement or even knowledge of the murders. However, many people suspect that she may have been involved. Just a few hours before the murders, Chris had been on the phone with Nicole for 111 minutes, and he even stated himself that he wouldn't have committed the murders if it wasn't for his obsession with Nicole. But of course, police looked into Nicole, and they found some interesting things on her Google search history. Turns out, Nicole had been looking at wedding dresses just nine days before the murders. Not only that, but she also Googled the phrases, Man I'm having affair with says he will leave his wife, marrying your mistress, and having an affair with a married man. But after his arrest, Nicole's searches changed. Now she was Googling, did people hate Amber Fry? Which seemed innocent enough at first. Amber Fry was the mistress of Scott Peterson, the man convicted of killing his wife, Lacey Peterson. But then... Nicole started searching for Amber Fry's net worth and how she got a book deal. There was also a search for can cops trace text messages. After Chris was arrested and charged, Nicole stayed out of the spotlight. It's been rumored that she's relocated to another state and was enrolled into witness protection, given a new name and identity. She allegedly started receiving numerous death threats, while Chris, on the other hand, started receiving love letters in jail. One of those letters said, In my heart, I know you're a great guy. If you do write me back, I'd be the happiest girl alive, that's for sure. And use the hashtags Team Chris, Chris is innocent, love him, and so cute. Another letter read, I find myself thinking about you a lot. I'm hoping to brighten your days. And included a picture of the woman in a bikini. Remind you, Those letters came after he confessed and was convicted. Immediately after the murders, Nicole was fired from her job and she no longer has a relationship with Chris. Police have stated that she was not involved in the murders of Shanann, Bella, and Cece. Since his arrest, Nicole says that she never doubted that he killed them and said that he's a liar, he lied about everything. As for Chris, well... He's serving out his life sentence and still claims that he loves Nicole. In January of 2020, a film titled Chris Watts' Confession of a Killer aired on Lifetime. Chris stated in his prison letters that after he committed the murders that he felt light and free to be with his soulmate. He told one visitor that he felt like there was an evil spirit that took over him, 
that he felt like somebody was physically taking his hand and making him strangle his wife and children. His lawyer stated that Chris is remorseful for his actions and has since found God. If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, please contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or online at thehotline.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. You can find all of the show notes and more information along with pictures at themurderpodcast.com. That's the murder, M-H-E-R-D-E-R, podcast.com. <laughs>